On Monday, August 8th, Tall Can Audio hits 1,000 episodes. Wait, that's still on? Who could possibly still care? And the gang is all here to celebrate. It's euphoric. It's got to be close to Nirvana. It's outstanding. For the first time ever, Maddie, Michaela, Rob, and Matt are all live in studio together. It's happening, you guys! It's happening! Oh my god! Oh my god! I wish you all were here! Is this likely to go well? Just check my notes here. No! At least it will make a lot of noise. Boom. Here comes the boom. A thousand pods and a thousand pints. I don't think I've ever been as proud in my entire life. TCA 1000 drops Monday, August 8th, wherever you find low-quality podcasts. Fuck, it's out of control. Shit. We spent seven hours on it, but it's done. (laughs) We're done with it. Yes, but we need to shoot it again and again from different angles and again and again. And so that's how I picture Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns at this point. I'm not sure what the f*** this is. I'm about to find out. This is Tall Can Audio. Episode 992 of Tall Can Audio, off and running again. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Tall Can Audio. Give us a follow there. We love hearing what you guys have to say about these episodes. And uh, make sure you subscribe wherever you're hearing us right now. As we continue our uh, march towards 1,000 episodes, we're trying to circle back, touch base with a bunch of friends of the show, which means, of course, we've got to touch base with our buddy Kevin Mickey. How's it going tonight, Matt? Hello, Matt. I am splendid. How are you doing tonight? Uh, I'm doing all right. I did that. that didn't sound all that. In, in, hello, Matt. I, I guess I'm back, right? It's, I'm uh, fucking fired up. <laughs> Here we go. Um, happy to have you back on the show, man. It's been a little bit, and uh, I got a few different things I want to ask you about, but you know where we start. So uh, what are we sipping on tonight? Right now, I I went to uh, Blood Brothers Brewing recently in the city, uh, which is like West End, a little north of Blue Earth, you know Toronto at all. Yeah. Uh, and they picked up one of their, uh, light beers. It's called blood light, which they, uh, <laughs> apparently, they apparently almost got sued for. I bet. Yep. Yep. So they, uh, but it's a, it's a tasty little light beverage, something that I'm always craving in the craft beer category is a easy drinking light beer and it's excellent to find. Last night I was at a buddy's house and we cracked a few, uh, uh geez i'm losing my mind right now well we cracked a few steam whistles but then uh a couple of the the it's it's my friend who works for steam whistle and i'm not a huge seltzer guy right but uh they're brewing this they're or they're making this i don't know if you brew a seltzer uh, they're making this new uh they're, they they teamed up with mtv to create a new seltzer like which the is a very MTV? random part yeah the yeah. mtv a very okay. random partnership between steam whistle and mtv yeah, that's weird man yeah, uh, to make a seltzer called Juicy Shore, which is, you know, like Jer- Jersey Shore, yeah. <laughs> All right, I'll give it a pass. Um, I'm not sure if you're even being real or just telling me a dad joke, but that's... <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's actually a real thing, yeah. <laughs> um, where do we stand at this point on Steam Whistle, man? Are they, are they a craft brewery? Like, I like Steam Whistle a lot to this day. Um, I, to be honest, for a long time there, they had whatever the slogan was, do one thing very well, because they just made the one beer, and when they started to branch out and stopped doing just the one thing, I haven't really loved a lot of the secondary stuff they've tried. But the the original, the Steam Whistle, uh, man, gorgeous. Yeah. Is that a craft beer for you still, or is that a is that one of the big guys now? 
Yep. No, no. I mean, Steam Whistle for me is still legitimately a craft beer because it's the how how much they produce still qualifies in craft beer and also the the attitude which they reasserted recently. So again, yes. a, it's a good buddy of mine who works for Steam Whistle, so he fills me in with some of the stuff that's going on. <laughs> um, so they the original they had three original founders, and one of the guys, uh, two of the guys retired. And then the other guy stuck with it for a while, but then he eventually stepped back and just kind of held onto his role on the on the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then some other guy who was big into business came in, and he decided that they would get rid of the one thing, do one thing really, really well, sort of thing. And they ended up um, making all those extra new beers, yeah. some of which I did enjoy. Um, uh, but then he, the, the, one of the old founders came back and he's just kind of like brought back the attitude that the workforce of Steam Whistle really liked before. And now they're, they're still expanding a little bit, but they're focusing on, uh, focusing on being a fun company to work for again. And also just the company that you used to like right. or that you used to know. So anyways, I still really like Steam Whistle. I, I think that they're, uh, well, I still love company. the, yeah, the, the original, right. The OG yeah, Steam Pilsner. Whistle. Yes. Is, yeah. uh, is terrific. And they just actually, uh, it was big news up here around Ottawa. Uh, they just bought up um, Bose, and I know Bose was uh, has right. yeah, yeah branched out and and kind of had already sort of established a presence across Ontario, but obviously very big here in Eastern Ontario. And uh, uh, got a buddy of mine here who works or owns one of the the local craft breweries, and he was in here last year just before Christmas. At that point, they had just established a partnership. They're just working together, and he kind of shrugged mm-hmm. and he goes, yeah, give that three months. That'll be a buyout. And you're like, oh, okay, we'll, yeah. we'll see. And yeah. turns out he was dead on. So, uh, yeah, no, the, uh, the OG steam whistle is, uh, is one of the all time great beers. And man, I, you could not ask for a better location. If you want people to try a beer that isn't a traditional beer before the craft beer thing mm-hmm. blew up, man, being right there every night before a blue Jays home game and, and people streaming by could not have asked for a, or set yeah. yourself up any better. Right. Yeah, they don't even make they don't even brew beer there anymore. It's strictly an event, yeah, uh, event space at this point. All their brewing is done in Etobicoke uh, because they've expanded that little spot there. So now there's like a restaurant there, which is yeah. pretty cool. It's like and it's kind of like German kind of. Tra- it's got a German feel to it. You know, kind of like a beer house sort of thing. Okay, I haven't been in uh, since then. Cool. Yeah, I was yeah. obviously in a bunch of times when it was the the brewery, right, and uh, whatever. But yeah. Uh, I got one here also from your neck of the woods. This is from Great Lakes Brewery, and um, I think I've had this before. I can't remember for sure, but I pulled it out of the fridge when I was sort of going through and and looking at what I was going to have tonight, and and this one kind of struck a chord. It's the the Hayes Mama New England IPA. I haven't had that one. It struck me that Hayes Mama might be like the next... NXT 2.0 women's champion. <laughs> so that is what, uh, what drew me in to, uh, to give this one a try tonight is we're going to talk a little wrestling here in a few minutes, but yeah, it's a 7% new England IPA. Um, they say it's, uh, it's crisp, but not bitter. So we'll see what that looks like. Um, but, uh, that's what we're rolling with here tonight. Uh, before we get into, uh, some of the wrestling stuff, man, we're seeing you more and more as a friend of Tim there on Sportsnet. How are things going down at, uh, down at your gig, and I gotta ask. I know this; the, the listener won't know, but how's your back holding up? Have they replaced the chair for you? Have they gotten you a better <laughs> chair? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's it's funny you ask that. So I don't know if if anybody remembers, but the chair that they used to have at Tim and Friends, and I say used to because they have replaced it. The chair that they had at Tim and Friends was fucking horrific. My <laughs> I'd go home every night, my back was just in shambles, uh, and so it it was rough, but. Uh, 
actually the day that the the Rogers outage randomly there was a new chair there for me so it wasn't all doom and gloom for everybody that day i i got to the show and there's a new chair to sit in rogers so had one happy. win that day that's right and it was a, and it was a win exclusively for me it was uh i was i was pretty happy with that uh but yeah everything else is going well man i'm uh it's just i think it's just because it's summertime a lot of our a lot of sportsnet's regular on-air personalities are taking time off so I've been able to uh, hop in the saddle more often on, on a ton of other things like uh, Sportsnet Central. I've been mm-hmm. doing some of the SN Bet stuff uh, and then Tim and Friends, of course, and then just any sort of interview that comes along. Sometimes they'll bring it to me and I'll get to uh, put that together for either just for any of our digital channels or uh, it'll, it'll get on Tim and Friends sometimes. Yeah. We're seeing you more and more all over, uh, all over the place, our buddy Kevin Mickey. And, uh, so keep an eye out for, uh, for Kev on, uh, on Sportsnet, wherever we, uh, wherever you may roam across the, uh, the Sportsnet family of channels, I believe is what we're supposed to call them. So, uh, I'll, look, I'll pop up somewhere. Okay. For sure you will. Um, look, there's a few things I want to ask you about AEW and, uh, and where they're headed and, uh, the recent Forbidden Door pay-per-view. Um, mm-hmm. SummerSlam is dead ahead, but why don't we get this out of the way right now? The Vince McMahon story as yeah. it's, uh, it's not a good scene. I'm sure most people have heard about it, but, uh, a couple of weeks ago we hear that he had, uh, paid a woman to not talk about a, uh, a sexual relationship of some kind. And there's all sorts of talk right away at that point. Oh my God, he cannot survive this. We have seen CEOs go down you know, in normal companies, I guess, uh, for far less than this. Vince McMahon chooses to walk out on Friday Night Smackdown the day after this becomes a story to do nothing more than basically say, welcome to Smackdown. And he's just kind of rubbing your nose in it. I'm not going anywhere. And uh, this is a publicly traded company. Uh, Since then, more stories have started to come out. As far as we know, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, as far as we know so far, there's been a bunch of pretty unethical stuff, but nothing illegal, right? Like you, you're allowed to settle with someone and say, here's some money to not talk about our relationship. As far as we know, he hasn't committed any crimes. Where do we stand on this thing? And is, is Vince McMahon the one CEO who can, who can survive the, uh, the th- stories being thrown around about him? Well, what's what actually is illegal in it is he was using company money yes. to pay pay the hush money, which is illegal to take funds from your own company. It right, would have okay. to be your personal money yes. because otherwise there's some sort of somebody who is into business <laughs> your law. Your shareholders know, don't want to pay for your that. affairs. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, somebody who knows business law better than me will be able to describe it better. But for from what I understand, it's the $3 million was the original report, uh, mm-hmm. the $3 million in hush money paid to one female, former female employee, but then it came out, I think it was the day of the Rogers outage. Yes. Um, it came out that uh, there was up to $12 million in hush money paid to several different women across the company. Mm-hmm. And then it was a lot of kind of heinous acts that were uh, portrayed in the report, uh, allegations in the report of McMahon forcing women to perform oral sex on him. Uh, because he was their boss and then paying them money afterwards to shut up. Yeah. 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 So pretty, I mean, pretty 
if should would should it be true? Should this be proven true? Mm-hmm. It is quite despicable in in any in any way you ever think about it. So it's uh, it's a real tough time for WWE in in that regard. But the thing about WWE is it is just such a machine. It just keeps rolling, and they keep making money. I think I saw the stock price like barely has barely moved still. Uh, it's hovering over sixty dollars, I think, still. Uh, so I mean, it's still a billion dollar company any yeah. way you look at it. And it's a it's one of those companies that like you would normally see the stock price drop in a huge way when the CEO is accused of things like this as people want to get away from this house fire. This is almost different in that people are scared of what this company is without him, right? Like he's the mm-hmm. one who built yep. it. He's the, he's the figurehead and you know, he's still running creative, although they now have a huge creative team. He's still the guy at the top of this, like people who are invested in this company almost have this, weird I don't entanglement right that yeah I'd probably not like the fact that this guy is heading this company right now but I'm more afraid of what this company and what my investment looks like without him it's been it's been such a consistent in terms of what you can expect from the company with him at the helm that you're absolutely correct in that assessment where investors are scared to look at a life after McMahon and where the company could go, despite the fact that there are so many people who feel like, and many have said this outwardly, that when McMahon passes, which could be in another 50 years, just based on who that guy is, (laughs) that the company will be better off Mm -hmm. uh, run by Triple H and Stephanie McMahon. Um, I mean, that's just total hearsay at this sure, point speculation. You, no, it's pure speculation like you don't actually know what's going to happen but yeah it's it's a lot of i mean I but th- those I'm are us wrestling sure, like, when, fans right like will yeah we, that's we will like the show better but will the business be better is it different it's, it's told it's two totally different lines like there are i'm sure there are people in the wwe boardroom who have no fucking idea what who the United States champion is right now. You know, you know what I mean? Like, and, and they could, they couldn't name more than three wrestlers on the roster. And true, like two yes. of them are the rock and John Cena. Uh, and it's just like, but then wrestling fans would say like, Oh, I, I can't wait for him to die. And like if, and if the product, if the business suffers, it is of no concern to me, the wrestling fan, right. they might, they might say, uh, it, it just would affect those who have invested in the company, invested their money in the company versus their time in the company. What is it that we've seen uh, just here this week um, or over the last week or so? Monday Night Raw is going to return to TV 14 after TV 14, yeah. several years of being PG. Was this forced upon them or is this a conscious choice that they're going to try and adult the the program a little bit more it, i it, look that the pg thing is far from their only creative issue right now but yeah. old school fans obviously preferred a more i don't know we live in a different world than we did when people were smashing each other in the head with chairs and women had their breasts out and all kinds of stuff going on every monday night yeah, yeah. um how did we get back to tv 14 what's happened here so it's i mean it's really interesting this is again one of those items where you look at it and you say there's a business decision and there's an editorial decision to be made. And I very much understand that just based on who I work for, (laughs) knowing that there is 
the editorial people at Sportsnet who really care about a story. And then there is also the business of Rogers who cares about making money. Yep. It's no matter where you work, you're pretty much, if you're in journalism right now, that's pretty much what you're running into a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. So from my understanding, it is USA network down in the States who has made a push to go to TV 14. Uh, How that affects Canada. I have no idea. Or if Sportsnet would have even been consulted. My thought is no, probably were not. Yeah. Um, and, or any of their other TV partners across the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's really unique where the USA Network is thinking that they'll be able to draw in some of the younger viewers with a TV 14, and not just younger, but also maybe jaded fans who used to be fans. But if they hear maybe that TV 14 is back, it may bring them back hmm. longer. Yeah, That's my understanding as to why they are doing it. In terms of what you can expect, I have no idea because when you examine what the WWE was in the late 90s, early 2000s with the Attitude Era and the Attitude Era, uh, it, it went to WWE went to TV 14 in, or PG in uh, 2008, yeah. I believe. So it's been almost 15 years yeah. of, this, of this PG it's a whole era. generation of fan who's never seen a non-PG edition of Monday Night yeah. Raw, yeah. And the only thing that they know is the programming that WWE has produced portraying what the Attitude Era was. Yes. So in terms of what you can expect, one of the things that made the Attitude Era so great was you had the personalities that could live up to the characters that they were portraying. I don't think that you could create a Stone Cold Steve Austin right now and give him to Austin Theory. Right. Austin Theory wouldn't be able to pull that character off. Right. And that is, I don't mean to cast slight onto Theory. It is Stone Cold Steve Austin became that character and was able to portray it to the masses just based on who he is as a person. Same with The Rock. Same with, you know, the Dudley boys. All these, all these guys were able to do this because they were given the free reign to up the ante of themselves. My understanding of what the editorial process is right now in terms of creating characters is that it is tight, tight, tight knit. It's very hard to create a TV 14 script when somebody may not believe it when they're saying it or they it's not for them. So if I'm giving this TV 14 uh, script to Baron Corbin. And, you know, he seems like he may be able to talk some trash with you in a bar. But if you give him a very specific set of words to in a TV 14 landscape, I don't know if it's going to work. Right. It just it you the whole editorial process seems like it would have to change for the in order for the TV 14 thing to work just based on the verbiage that they would cast this past Friday on Smackdown. And I say this as I date myself. It's Tuesday, July 19th, as we record this. This past Friday on SmackDown, Pat McAfee said, used the word called Baron Corbin a douchebag. And that, that was a big thing as he announced that WWE would go to TV 14 on Raw, which is, again, was weird because they announced this on SmackDown, on Fox, which, is on a, yes. which is on a completely different network. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. So anyways, that's so if, if it's just people using some swear words here and there, I that, is that enough to push the needle and move the needle? Because they're certainly not going to start parading women around in brawn panties again. Right. Because I don't think 
no one no one has the appetite for that anymore. No one wants to see that. You have these incredibly athletically gifted women who can actually put on fantastic wrestling matches, and then all of a sudden, what are you going to do? Just be like, oh, never mind. Brawn panties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I, I, no, they're not like, gonna, they're like not that's still that. one of the weirdest. I don't know if you're an MMA guy. When I watch the UFC, it's still one of the most jarring parts of it. You've got these absolute killers and Amanda Nunez and Valentina Shevchenko and whatever, and maybe they're having this killer main event on pay-per-view, and there's another woman yeah. in a bikini who comes in and holds up the round <laughs> card, and you're like, like I get it. Like, we, There's room for both of these, and at least you are allowing the fight to happen, but it does seem oddly like we're kind of trying to jam two things together. If you want to see women in their underwear, there are other channels to watch that, right? And yeah. here yeah. I'm watching either wrestling or, or fighting or whatever it may be. And it's just, I, I think you're right, man. I think it's going to be really hard to create the sense, of, like the attitude era, I don't, like obviously it mattered that it was sort of adult. It captured people who were, you know, 16, 15, 14 through 30, right? Who either liked watching people swear and kick asses and, and boobs hanging out or at the time wanted to see somebody beat the shit out of their boss or whatever, which Austin was doing. It, it came along at the right time. But what you had was a specific group of guys that were charismatic enough and could fly, you know, on live television. And someone told them before we went out, hey, in six weeks, you're facing Chris Jericho at the next pay-per-view and here's why that match is happening. And then it's just on you guys to go out there and kind of throw it together as opposed to a word for word script that you have to memorize and go out. It's almost impossible, like you said, first of all, for that writer to capture who you are as a person yeah. and then deliver that script in front of 20,000 people who might be booing you when they're supposed to be cheering you and you don't acknowledge it. You're programmed into keeping this script. Man, it's it's just a different world. I you can change the the viewer rating and maybe it allows for a few more curse words, but whether it changes the quality of the, the program, man, I'm pretty skeptical about that. I'm with you. It's, it must be so difficult for whoever the creative team is in WWE to go about doing that because the process has been <clears throat> so incredibly formulaic mm -hmm. in terms of what they've been asked to present. You have word from higher up that they want this, they want that. And then still at the end of the day, Vince McMahon comes in and tears up the script and writes a new one. <laughs> so, I mean, what do you want them to do is I'm just really interested in seeing, can the creative process work with in the new TV 14 era attitude era 2.0, whatever the hell you, we're going to call it at this point. But <laughs> it just, it's, it's really, it's really strange to me in terms of, what it's going to look like. I can understand the appeal. Obviously the most popular period in the history of professional wrestling was the attitude era. Yeah. Let's try it again. They say, can it work? Remains to be seen. Yeah. I expect to see exactly what we have seen, but with more use of the word douchebag, like we saw, I guess, out of, uh, of Pat McAfee and whether that helps or not, I guess remains to be seen. Yeah. We'll come back. Know, maybe they see, they see AEW just, People say Honestly, shit man. quite often on yeah. AEW, and they just say, we want to say shit, so maybe that's why. I don't know. Fire me, you fucking Mark. Uh, that yeah. was right around yeah. the time I think we were supposed to get you on the last time, and, and we weren't able to make it happen. We talk about that and the and the King of the Ring, but as we, we'll come back to WWE here in a few minutes and, and talk about SummerSlam, sure. which is coming up on the 30th. I want to move over to AEW. And they recently ran a show called Forbidden Door, and, and we don't need to go too deep down into this before we, or again, we have before, essentially the the idea or the term forbidden door comes from this 
you never thought you'd see it, right? Guys from one company facing each other. It's been AEW versus Impact, and it's been AEW versus New Japan, and this, you know, if you're a comic book guy or whatever, we're crossing universes here and bringing matches together you weren't supposed to see. So they run a full pay-per-view. It's called mm-hmm. it's called Forbidden Door, and it is AEW guys versus NJPW guys out of, uh, out of New Japan. And man, it looked like from day one, this thing was cursed, right? There was injuries. It it had last minute guys being dropped in, some because of some creative decisions, some because of injury. I don't know. You would have a better handle on this than I would, whether or not they got the bang for the buck they were looking for out of this or the impact they were looking for out of this. Um, I loved the idea, but by the time yep. the show actually rolled around, man, it felt like it was limping to the finish line a little bit. Yeah, I think that's a lot. The main criticism that a lot of people had of it was the build to the pay-per-view was lackluster. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a valid criticism. Uh, However, once they got there, AEW was able to showcase what they do best. And that was just like, hey, there was great fucking wrestling matches on on the event. Like some of the matches were just, they were, they were so good. A lot of them. And I was just so impressed with <clears throat> how they got there and damn what had happened before. We're still going to put on a hell of a card. And that's exactly what they did. Um, right up until the final match with Moxley going up against Tanahashi, like a, a dream match on American soil for sure. Um, Jay White and Adam Page and Okada and uh, Adam Cole, like a, that's a crazy, crazy four-way match. Uh, the former Cesaro and Zack Saber Jr. Like that's a absolutely insane debut for Claudio. Yep. Uh, the Will Ospreay and Orange Cassidy was just like a, Orange Cassidy. Every time he steps in the ring, I go, I didn't. I was not expecting that to be that good. <laughs> the same thing that happened recently on Dynamite, where he wrestled uh, Wardlow, and I was just like, how this this match had no business being this good, and it was. <laughs> That's what AEW does best. And it doesn't matter if some of the stuff that they lead into made seem like it doesn't work. It's still, they're still going to, it's going to bang every time they get in the ring. And that's exactly what they've, what they've done and what they do. And it's still a lot of fun. A lot of their other shit, a lot of their weekly television is still super entertaining to yep. me. My favorite tag team in the, on the planet right now uh, uh, is uh, Anthony Bones and Max Caster. Um I love the acclaimed. Everybody loves the acclaimed. <laughs> so I've been told. Uh, I absolutely love those guys. Uh, it's just like AEW has so much to offer for me every single week. And I'm every week I'm entertained by something stupid or an amazing match. They ended up uh, going ahead and, and pulling the trigger on an interesting story and, and putting the belt on CM Punk, who uh, yes. just under yep. a year ago made his return to wrestling in Chicago. It was a huge story. They did it so well in bringing him back where you you left it as a surprise but not a surprise you teased it you used some of his taglines leading up to the show in Chicago you made it mm-hmm. clear to hardcore wrestling fans look we're doing this but we don't want to come right out and say we're doing this and then you let it build you you ran him through a couple of of really good programs before finally putting the belt on him and i believe it was the next night was it not or the next show that he came out and he's like, by the way, I'm fucking hurt. And, um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was very soon after. And then that was a real bummer, right? Like, obviously he's, 
he's getting up there a little bit too. So you don't have a ton of time to, to milk kind of everything you can out of him. But what I really liked about the way they handled it was they didn't do something where, you know, somebody came out and challenged him to a match. You didn't acknowledge the injury and they rolled him up in 30 seconds or whatever. You did what the UFC does. You do what a lot of sports do. There's an interim champion, right? And and I, fuck, I love that. It, I love it's that. So it's so legit. It feels like yep. a sport, right? This is the champion. He can't compete right now. We'll run a tournament or whatever we're going to do to crown an interim champion. And then when the real champ gets back, we have a built-in, ready-to-go, big-time match, champion versus champion, who's got the real belt. Um, man, just a perfect way to handle a really shitty situation. And I, it's just so, it makes so much sense doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It's not just a uh, strip them. Right. Strip them. Like, no, you wouldn't do that in any other combat sport. Yeah. You wouldn't just strip them. <clears throat> you would strip them if he like refused to wrestle, but he's hurt. Yeah. So you've, you have an interim champion. So I talked to Tony Khan at the collision conference in, uh, which, is, which is like, a, which, all over the place. Is, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I try not to sound like as much of a douchebag as I possibly could have. Had. <laughs> uh, it was it was it was this tech conference that he was speaking at in Toronto uh, near like middle of June or something, and uh, it was like the I think it was like a week before Forbidden Door. That's when it was. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I spoke to him and I, I I said like I really commend the idea that for the Owen Hart tournament, uh, the Owen Hart Cup that they did, yep. you didn't know who was wrestling in the championship match, <clears throat> excuse me, until a week before or that, that week of television before the pay-per-view. And I said, I, I said, I really like it. He's like, well, think about it in NCAA March madness. Mm-hmm. You don't know who's going to be in the final until two nights before the tournament until before the championship. And so we're, tr- this is a very, we're treating this as if it's a very real sport and you won't know who's going to be in a final until someone wins because you're not having a match and then waiting for four weeks until you right. have that match. It's it's, this is a legitimate tournament that it just keeps on rolling. And so in homage to that, like you mentioned, they are going to, instead of just rolling CM Punk up or stripping him, they're just going to have a interim champion. And then the two will wrestle for the real belts when CM Punk's healthy. Makes all the sense in the world. All the sense in the world. What logic do you have to say, no, don't like it, it's stupid? No, no. This is what they do in the real world. Yes. And does, isn't that what we want? You don't we, insult we my have, intelligence. I'm here watching we have fights. The wink. Yeah. yeah. We have the wink and the nod. We know what pro wrestling is. Yeah. But don't fucking insult me and say, like, uh, no, actually, what we're going to have here is, uh, like, Doink the Clown's going to come out and roll <laughs> him up. No, he's, he's the new champion. But then somebody will be able to squash him. You know, it's like... It's like when they took the title off Bret Hart with Bob Backlund. It's like they couldn't just have that match against Kevin Nash. Right. They they had to strip. They had to have. They had to have Diesel beat Bob Backlund because they couldn't beat Bret Hart. Right. No, they, you didn't have to do it that way. You still <laughs> you could have had a match with Diesel, Diesel and made Diesel right. look good. Yes. Do you understand who Diesel was wrestling? Right. The best wrestler of all time. You don't think that Bret Hart could make Diesel look good on the way to winning a championship? Fuck. Yeah. Drives me nuts. Anyways, that was about 25 years ago. So that's neither here nor there at this point. Well, it kind of is because pretty recently, uh, speaking of Bret Hart, 
uh, as this guy drops more names that I can segue <laughs> off of here. Uh, pretty good Canada Day theme on your uh, your Twitter account the other day, and and you recently spoke to Bret Hart too. That that's I'm a little jealous, man. That's got to be pretty cool. It was pretty rad. Uh, I've I've spoke I've spoken to Brett twice in the last <clears throat> nine months or so, uh, which is an addition. And this is a this is nothing to do with journalism or whatever you want to call what I do. Uh, I, I got married just over a year ago from when when we're chatting right now, and my sisters, I have three three older sisters, and they got me a uh, a cameo from Brett. For <laughs> well, you know, they got it for my wife and I, but really it was for me, of course. Uh, where Brett did this whole thing. It was amazing the way that he did it, where he's like, you know, uh, just like Jim, the anvil nine heart and I were the tag team champs, you and Chelsea, you guys are going to be the tag team champs. I was like, <laughs> fucking right. We are Brett. You're, you're damn right. We are. Uh, so that was awesome. So you picked up the the best man and, and she hit the, the heart attack coming off the table. And was... <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I, and then it was actually a swerve at the end of the night and I put her in the sharpshooter. <laughs> I was up in the hotel room though for the. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, that's incredible, man. Like I, I, I actually, I think I remember you. I think you shared the uh, the cameo on on Twitter. Um, yeah, it made its it made its way to Dave Meltzer somehow, and he like retweeted it, saying like how much he loves Brett. And it's there's so many people in the wrestling business that just love Brett, and it's just so obvious. Again, when I was chatting with with Tony Khan, he he couldn't say enough nice things about Brett. And the person that Bret Hart is and how much he respects Bret Hart. And then it's funny, every time I talk to an American, they always say, uh, yeah, I'd put him on the Mount Rushmore of like wrestlers. I was just like, well, yeah, I guess we can say Mount Rushmore for a Canadian. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, Mount um, Rushmore plus one head up above the other four is where Bret. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's Bret Hart is the prime minister of wrestling. Yeah. He's actually, he's the, he's the queen of wrestling. He's the true head of state. Yeah. That's what, that's, that's how this should be perceived. I like that, man. I, I do. But, and I, Go ahead. Sorry. Anyways, I was just going to say it was, it was, you know, it was cool talking to Brett. He's, uh, you know, he, he's, he had so many stories and he really doesn't give a fuck anymore about what he says. No, he doesn't. Like he's down to just talk about anything. Like as soon as I asked him, I was like, what, uh, do you have any regrets from your career? And immediately he popped me when he was like, uh, yeah, I wish that, uh, before I wrestled Bill Goldberg, he stepped on a banana peel and never got in the ring with me. Pop me big time. Dark, but <laughs> yeah. Well, for people like, who don't he, you know, know, a little too young or a little too casual, Bret Hart is the, the greatest wrestler of all time. He's in the ring with Bill Goldberg, who is a big, strong former Atlanta Falcon, but not a good technical wrestler. And he yeah. kicks Bret right in the head, gives him a massive concussion that actually starts a string of horrible health you know, shit for Bret Hart over the next couple of years, yep. but completely ends his career. It's over. Bret can't wrestle yep. anymore. Yep. Yeah. It, it's, uh, it's wild, man, to think that, uh, you know, it, it, and you talk to Americans and, and even they sort of don't get the, you know, the, I can't believe Bret just wouldn't do a job in the U S or in Canada at survivor series and stuff. And you're like, it wasn't about like, you don't get it. Like the entire yeah, Canadian citizenship test in 1997 was Bret or Sean. That was yeah, it. That was yeah. the one question on the test. And you can't and, you do know, it. I, I ask a lot of people that now, anytime I, anytime I interview them and I know that, you know, I'll get a good answer. Sorry. I shouldn't say when I know I get a good answer. It's when I know that they're going to be able to answer. Like for instance, uh, I chatted with like Alexa bliss two uh, a couple of weeks ago and I wasn't going to ask her Sean or Brett just because sure. I, I didn't think that she, no, 
it's it just wouldn't be worthwhile. Nope. Um, she maybe she just doesn't know enough of the subject to answer, or I would just be putting her on the spot, and it's just a shitty situation to put someone in. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I asked I asked Co- I asked Cody Rhodes that question uh, oh, a couple months ago, uh, and I was just like Sean or Brett, and he was like, great great question. And he's like, I'm going to give you an answer where I say both guys. And I was just like, and I was thinking to myself, I was like, that's a great political answer. Yeah, right there. of course. Guy, I've just guy, got back. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, where he said like, whatever, he grew up like loving Sean. Sean was his favorite. But then like, as he gets older, he just like realizes just the incredibleness that is Brett, the Hitman heart. And I think that's just a lot of people who grew up with both Sean and Brett. You grow up and you just realize just how fucking good Brett Hart was and how he truly was the best wrestler on the planet for so long. And maybe, and the fact that people are still are paying homage (laughs) to him today, they recognize how incredible he is. Anyways, that's just all this to say. It was awesome talking to Brett. Uh, We were able to do something for Tim and friends, which was really fun. Uh, It was organized uh, by Channing Decker, who runs Greek town wrestling in Toronto. Hmm. He had Brett come in for a show just to uh, do a little meet and greet. Uh, He wrestled Eric young in the main events. Peterborough's own, right? That's correct. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Peterborough or Niagara. I always get, there's, there's two different, uh, I think it's Peterborough, man. I think it's Peterborough. Yeah. Yeah. Might be wrong, but yeah, it is Peter Brown. Sure. You are, we both uh, are. But, but now he, he lives in uh, Nashville full time yeah. now, but he's a massive hockey fan, Eric Young. I've talked to him before as well, and he's he's a he's a really great guy, um, which was also set up by Channing Decker. So if you're ever in Toronto and Greektown Wrestling is running a show, go see it because they're great. Sounds um, like. Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, so I talked to Brett about pretty much everything there is to talk to a guy about uh, regarding the wrestling business. Originally, I, I, I'll tell you that I, I brought the interview to Tim, Tim McAuliffe, mm-hmm. And I said, I was like, hey, I have an opportunity if you want to interview Bret Hart. And he was just like, ah, why don't you just do it? And I was like, all right, I can do that. Uh, and then I, I was trying to figure out a way to make the interview crossover because Tim and Friends is a sports show, yeah. obviously. Uh, so I was trying to figure out a way to make the interview crossover so that people will be able to follow along. You know, like maybe there's some questions I can ask them about the Calgary Flames or the Calgary Hitman from back in the day or uh other random sports questions but i i went to tim and i was just like what do you think i should do he was just like just lean into it he was like you're a wrestling guy T- ask wrestling questions yep. if you're talking to brad hart people want to know what wrestling shit yep. like get you it's like if you know that he has an interesting story about something from back in the day ask him about it and i was like you know what you're right so that's what i did i just leaned into the wrestling aspect of it and it, i thought it paid off he was he was pretty fun we turned we talked for almost 15 minutes and we turned it into I cut it down to like five minutes or so <clears throat> because Brett does have the capability to kind of run, drag on and on. He's, you know, it'd be like if you talk to your old man that, you know, <laughs> your, your, your dad, your dad has some stories that he wants to tell. And sometimes the story can go on for a little bit. Sure. But I, at the time I wasn't worried about that because I was just listening for good shit. Yeah. It was just afterwards that I just cut it down just because <clears throat> it's hard to run a full 15 minute interview on television. Mm-hmm. All that is to say, Brett Hart, what a beauty still rules Canadian royalty first wrestler in the Canadian walk of fame. And to this day, just like still absolute Canadian beauty through and through. Can you like, how, I, I know you're a professional, right? I, I know you, you know how you've got I've, a job no, to do. I've never, been, I've never been called that. All right. All right. Well, um, after you're done doing the sports net thing, and, yeah. and talking to Brett, do you let your guard down a little? Hey, can we can we take a picture here? Can we uh, 
or or is it just you know what I'm representing the company here? I, I better keep it keep it professional. So I have done it before. Uh, the interview with Brett it was remotely. So right, right, in this okay. in this case I couldn't do it because right. um, <clears throat> I think he was like flying into Toronto on a Saturday and leaving like s- Sunday night or Monday morning. So right. <clears throat> we didn't do it uh, in studio. We did it remotely. He was still in Calgary. Uh, a few years ago when Alexa Bliss came in, I like asked her for a photo and like, well, it was pretty cool. I was glad I did it, but sure. I regularly forget to do it. <laughs> I meant to ask, I meant to ask Tony Khan for a photo, yeah. forgot. And he was super, he was super, super nice, by the way. Um, <clears throat> he's just like, I described him as just like kind of a dorky dude with all of the money that yeah. you could possibly want. Just another and wrestling just, nerd like us, but can afford to be like, hey, you two come over to my backyard and wrestle tonight. You're like, oh, yeah, right. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like a great, great mind for the business. Super nice. Knows what he wants. Very smart. Incredibly smart. Mm-hmm. Um, thoughtful with his words and his answers, but doesn't, I didn't get the impression that he was doing a whole lot of bullshitting with me. Uh when I, when we spoke and like, I asked him a few questions straight up and like, he wouldn't answer a couple things. I was sure. like, I was like, when's Kenny Omega coming back? He's like, he's like, I can't answer that. Right. I was like, okay. Uh, I was well, like, better that idea? Than we'll string it along and we'll see. And yeah. you know, Kenny's the, no, I'm not, I just, I can't answer. Yeah. I was like, any I idea when he's coming back? Yeah. And he was just like, no, okay. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I said, uh, any idea? Can you give me an idea of when, uh, AEW is going to come to Canada? And he was just like, I want to do it soon. And that was pretty much as far as he would go. And then he showered praise on the Toronto market, as well as markets like Calgary and Vancouver, Winnipeg and Montreal. Those were those are the markets that he really talked about in terms of like places that he wanted to. He go. knows is where is one of his biggest stars. Eh? Winnipeg getting thrown into that group is uh, is there for a reason. <laughs> He's smart though, man. Like yeah. we we chatted about how Christian Cage just had this huge heel turn. <clears throat> turned on Jungle Boy. Yeah. Uh, Christian has been unbelievable, and he was just like he was like yeah. When we come back to Toronto though. I was just, and I said to him, I was just like, you come back to Toronto. I was like, Christian Cage is a fucking hero. Yep. Un- undoubtedly. Yep. He was like, oh, I know. And we talked about too. This is another thing where I was just like, I think it's incredible how when you come to a wrestler's hometown, you showcase that wrestler for the hometown crowd. AKA, I always think of how Britt Baker is the biggest star possible in Pittsburgh every time she comes back, which is very much against the ethos of what WWE does, where a hometown show for this wrestler and they're going to get buried. They get their legs chopped off yep. and they lose in a shitty match or something like that. And I always think of Bailey going back to San Jose, wrestling for the champion, defending the championship and losing it in her hometown. Yep. Cause it's because that puts heat on her brother. It's just like, it leaves the crowd sour yep. all the time. So I always commend AEW for doing stuff like that. Well, and uh, like they said, like, lean, wh- lean into it, right? Like yes. we, yeah. how many times when they back and maybe I'm a little out of touch on this or whatever, but back in the mid two thousand, like I can remember, like I was at SummerSlam 04 in Toronto, right? And yep. when I saw the DVD later, they must've said a thousand times here in Bizarro land, like it's not fucking Bizarro land. They're from here, right? And like, yeah. I get it. Sometimes yeah. Toronto crowds could be weird for other reasons or whatever. Don't pretend you don't understand why a local crowd isn't booing the person you want them to boo if they're from here. Um, you know, I, M- I MJF when he came out in uh, in on Long Island, Long Island. they the let, ultimate heel, but he's a hero there, and it makes sense. Yes, and to have 
you know, at work into his set, like how many people watching on TV would have understood? I don't know, but to have somebody then come out in the John Tavares Leafs jersey afterwards to really let Brilliant. them be the heel. Perfect, Brilliant. man, for the couple yep. people, like couple thousand people in the crowd that got it. Crank it up, man. Lean into that stuff. Right? Fantastic. Yeah. I, I asked uh, Bliss when we chatted, I said, uh, I was like, people know Toronto is a, like a very hot crowd. I was like, what sort of, Things do you remember? Like, what do you think of when you come to Toronto? And she was like, the craziest crowds are Toronto and Philadelphia and Chicago. She said, those are the craziest crowds oh, always. Yeah. And she's like, I don't know if it's because we don't go to Toronto very as much as we go to other places in the States. She's like, but it's insane every time we go there. It's funny. Uh, though. She's, and then she said her fate, which I actually did appreciate this, this answer. She was like, my favorite opponent is always wrestling Natty in Canada, Natty Neidhart. Because she was like, it's so easy to be a heel because Canadians love the Canadian wrestlers. I was like, God damn, that's just so, it's so, ha- I was so happy to hear her understand that. Yes, that's all this is. But I do wonder yes. how smart she is. Is it like, because I get it, Philadelphia and Chicago. Like if someone from Dubuque was interviewing her, like, well, our favorite crowds are Dubuque, Philadelphia, and Chicago. Yeah. Or my favorite crowd <laughs> yeah. is is whatever, Des Moines. And, um, yeah, yeah. But no, I'm with you there. And, and Toronto does have kind of a reputation. Uh, we'll bring it back to SummerSlam here in just a second. But I got one more personal thing I want to ask you about, man. Because yeah. again, as a journalist, I know you're uh, you know, a, a professional. Um, I, again, I'm, I'm going to let you have that term. <laughs> I try to be. Yeah. I'll pretend to be. I'll pretend to be for a little bit at least. You've done some big interviews. You've had some cool opportunities, not just around the wrestling thing, but working for sports. You've had some pretty cool opportunities. But as, you know, outside of the professional realm, as a wrestling fan. Yeah. The quote tweet from Dave Meltzer. Oh, says, <laughs> great job, Kevin, or, or however it, uh, that I had to text you about or whatever. I'm like, that yeah. would, that would be hanging over my fireplace. I'd have that printed out and enlarged or whatever. As a wrestling nerd, like you and I are, that's, that's gotta be pretty cool, man. Like I, 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 like I said, I know in your job, you've had some cool opportunities, but as a fan to be able to go, that's fucking Dave Meltzer's quote tweeted me, said I did a nice job. That's gotta be pretty fun, man. It was, it was pretty, it was pretty cool. Uh, so like Dave and I have gotten to know each other just a little bit over the last couple of years or so. I've reached out to him for a couple of stories that I've written for my story about the the his the oral history of Brett the, how Bret Hart became the hitman, which I wrote at the end of last year and came out early this year. Awesome. I talked to Dave for that and he gave me some good stuff. Um, so, but it was cool that because like I didn't uh, I can't remember if I tagged him. I must have tagged him because that's or I don't know how the hell he saw it otherwise. But um, when you're at this point, you're a bit of a big shot. No, yeah, no, no chance. Uh, I, uh, yeah, you know, it was, it was cool to get Dave to kind of give me that stamp of approval because Dave is that kind of legendary character in the wrestling business. So it was, it was pretty cool to see that. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm very honored that he would have said such a nice thing about me. The, uh, the closest thing I can tell you about that or about, uh, my, my closest run in, it's not quite the same, man. I, uh, I was watching in, uh, 2017, the Ottawa Senators go all the way to the conference final. And I hate the goddamn Senators living here in Ottawa. It's a nightmare, man. Uh, And they win a game in overtime at some point. And all I tweeted was, because I was so fed up and I was trying to pretend like I don't don't care that Ottawa won, but I'm trying to find another thing to vent my rage over. And uh, so I just tweet out like, could the horn guy 
at Canadian Tire Center just chill out a little because he'd gone to town on the, the horn for the overtime. Which, again, if it had been my team, I'd be like, yeah, lay on that thing, man. Like, let's have it. Yeah. Yeah. The guy who is horn guy at the Canadian Tire Center sends me a, a private message on Facebook. And he's not even on Twitter, but occasionally he makes it a thing to just like search Twitter for Ottawa horn guy or Ottawa senator's horn or whatever, just to see what people are saying about him. And he's just rubbing my nose in it. Cause he knows I'm a leaf. The guy invites me up to the box the next season. And like, he has my tweet away. framed wow. beside the horn as like a reference of he loves the people hate it, obviously. Right. A se- that senators haters hate it. And uh, so it's not a Dave Meltzer. He actually had it framed. He had it framed. Now, maybe that was just a gimmick thing because he knew I was coming, but (laughs) he had it framed and and held it out there going, love that you hated this so much, man, but turned out to be a good guy. So it's not Dave Meltzer. That's my level of Twitter fame is the horn guy at the Canadian Tire Center. Uh, Turned out to be an awesome dude. (laughs) That's that's as close as I've come, though. That's pretty hilarious. That's that's amazing. That's that's really funny though. This guy's not even like, on Twitter, and he's just like, "No, nah, I like to go and see, make sure people are hating it." <laughs> Good for you. That's, that's great stuff. Uh, let's circle back before we wind up, man. We are on uh, July thirtieth. SummerSlam goes down. Uh, before we hit some of the matches here and what's going on, it's really early, isn't it? In terms of like, it's normally like mid to late August. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. In terms of the date. Yes. yes. Uh, yeah, I think they just wanted to take advantage. I think they just wanted to do it in Las Vegas. And I don't know if Las Vegas didn't. Oh, or, Vegas no, was the last one. In, yeah, it's in Nashville. They're I doing believe. Nashville. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have no I don't really have any inside information or understanding as to why it's this date. But yeah, it is usually in the middle of August. So yeah. maybe they just wanted to make it the full like this is truly the middle of the summer july 31st it biggest doesn't get any more of middle summer. of that yeah the biggest party of the summer it always <laughs> fucking is yeah um is is this i think it's a stadium show isn't it it's uh i think they're back out in the in the they're doing a lot more of these pay-per-views out in the big uh i don't think it's at the uh the hockey arena i think it's out at the uh at the titan stadium i could be wrong on that not important i suppose no, anyway no no it is okay. it's uh yeah it's uh, Nissan Stadium, I think it's yeah, called. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 yeah. It's a big time stadium, and they're open for a big time draw for this. We are getting in order to try and create that big time draw. Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns for the seventh time, one on one in a pay per view main event. Um, is this as simple as it was going to be Randy Orton? He got hurt and now it's Brock Lesnar. Is that why we've got this, this show yet? Because it seems to be anytime WWE gets in trouble, because this also came right on the heels of the Vince McMahon thing. All of a sudden Brock's coming back in. There seems to be a bit of a break glass in case of emergency and, and Brock shows up. Well, there's a there's several, let's call them unfortunately timed injuries <laughs> right now for WWE and uh, Randy's one of them because also Randy Orton and Matt Riddle were super, super yes. over tag team. Uh, I, I, I think that the original plan, as far as I understand, was to do uh, Orton versus Reigns. And I don't know if they would have taken the title off Reigns because I'm not sure if they're ready for it yet. But 
<sighs> seems unlikely, right? That they seems were unlikely, yeah. and I don't think that they're going to take him off, take it off again either. Yeah. Um, it's. Do you know? Maybe this is a, a reach, but half of three quarters of my personality is Simpsons references. <laughs> um, well, you'll fit right in. So, so the Fallout Boy episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> yes. Where they where the director comes in and says, uh, or before Milhouse says, uh, I've said Jiminy Jilker so often, it's lost all meaning. And then the director comes in and says, Milhouse, we've got to do the Jiminy Jilker scene again. Milhouse we says, did it. We did it. We, we spent seven hours on it, but it's done. <laughs> We're done with it. Yes, but we need to shoot it again and again from different angles <laughs> and again and again. Yes. And so that's how I picture Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns at this point. Yes, but we haven't seen it at SummerSlam right. in the main event in for Tennessee. the undisputed WWE Universal Championship in Nashville. Right. We've got to do it again and again. So that's why we're getting this one more time is Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns. Will it be entertaining? Sure it will. Probably, because Brock yeah. Lesnar is a freak of nature and anything that he does athletically just still stuns me. I, I watched Raw uh, whenever the, a couple weeks ago whenever he came back to – throw a bunch of people around and he he's playing this shy cowboy where he takes his cowboy hat off and he's like, well, I got to be respectful. <laughs> and like Brock Lesnar is legitimately super entertaining. Yes. And anytime he does something athletically, I go, how the fuck does he do this? It's incredible. He was whipping around the Usos like they were rag dolls. Do I need to see another match between him and Roman Reigns? Probably not. Yeah. Seen it. I, I've seen it several times and we seem to have reached a conclusion when at WrestleMania Reigns beat Lesnar cleanly yep. and he's beat him before too. Uh, so it feels like Reigns doesn't need to prove anything. Yeah, this wasn't again. supposed to happen. Clearly they were trying to blow that off four months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And here we so, are. So they bring Brock back and like you mentioned, it was, he's the, he's the break glass in case of emergency. Um, I assume at this point, it probably doesn't really matter. Like SummerSlam is one of those, cornerstone four shows of the year that you can do kind of almost anything and people will buy it. And that is evidenced by the, uh, the stadium that they're running in. Like when you sell a stadium show like this, it's long before the card is ever announced. People bought tickets to go to SummerSlam long before they knew what the main event was going to be. Um, I think there's been a lot of talk. I don't have to tell you that the plan perhaps is Roman Reigns versus his cousin, The Rock, at WrestleMania. Um, There is a large block of time next spring where Dwayne Johnson is not doing movies. He's kind of booked that off. Now, that is largely because he is supposed to be getting the XFL up and running. (laughs) I was about to say, he's got a league to run. Yes, exactly. Uh, So, but it could be two things, I suppose. Um, That, to me would be the main reason you wouldn't take the belt off Roman now if you still have any belief at all that The Rock is coming in to do this because that's your match, is the unstoppable Roman Reigns versus the returning people's champion. Do you mm-hmm. think that's still the plan? And B, do you think Vince's legal troubles may be giving uh, Hollywood superstar Dwayne pause to go, I don't know how bad I need to go back <laughs> into that mess right now? Uh, I don't, so to answer the latter of those, no, I think he'll go back whenever he feels like it. I don't think that, you know, unless Vince McMahon is just outwardly dropping the N word or (laughs) 
like just which on we have television, seen him we, do. which we, we've seen him do. Yes. But, you know, maybe publicly and he's right. He's talking about murdering people. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> then the rock wouldn't go back, but I think that he'll go back. Um, I don't think that, I think that the rock really respects Vince McMahon still. And I, I'm not sure I, I'm not going to speak for the guy, but I think that he respects the path that he took and how much Vince helped him in that path. Right. So I think, I think that he will go back as for the match. I still think that that's what WWE wants to do. And based on chatting with several wrestlers throughout the years, I think that a lot of wrestlers think that that is going to happen. Mm-hmm. I talked to Bobby Lashley like over a year ago before the last WrestleMania, uh, WrestleMania 2021. Mm-hmm. And I said, do you have any dream opponents? Uh, and he said, uh, one of them, or he said, uh, there's two of them and they rhyme with talk. And uh, he was talking about the rock and Brock. He's got so he had his, bro- he, he had his Brock Lesnar match, and like it was, I was fucking stoked for Bobby because I know how much he wanted it, mm-hmm. uh, and it was it was a good match too. It was it was really fun. Just two big, just as Big E would say, do big meaty men slapping meat, <laughs> and that's exactly what it was. <laughs> it was it was awesome. Uh, so now he, he's he really wants that match against the Rock, but even he admitted to me he said, you know, I really want the match with the Rock, but you know that's Roman's thing, so I'm just I'm gonna let him do that. Mm-hmm. And he was targeting even WrestleMania Hollywood which is next year. Yeah. Right. Have that right. Yeah. Yes. That's right. Um, They're in LA next year. Yeah. So wrestlers think it's going to happen. Media is speculating. It's going to happen. Fans think it's going to happen. I think that it would sell like fucking crazy. Yeah. Like it would be a massive box office draw. And with the latest news that we are going back to TV 14, the Mm. rock can come back and spew all his old rockisms yes. or as much as he can now without using like the, the, the R word. I was going to bring this up with you earlier, man, when we yeah. were talking about TV 14 and I uh, look, I get it. It's, it's, uh, I go back and I, and you know, on observer radio and whatever they do, you know, they review the old shows and the amount of times that the rock calls Kane a big red yep. retard. You're just like, yep. oh, it's That's so right. cringy now, right? Like, Very cringe. Yeah. And like back in the day, man, I was laughing like of crazy. Of course, it was hilarious. Yeah. But yeah, it's a yeah, different world. Definitely not something you say. You know what's funny is even, so again, I keep talking about this Rogers outage. Um, my wife and I were watching Mean Girls because we have uh, we have three movies in the house, three DVDs. <laughs> Mrs. Oh, Doubtfire, no. yeah. Legally Blonde, uh-huh. and Mean Girls. Tell so me you started with... Tell me you started with Mrs. Day of Fire. We had just watched it, like, not even that long ago. So we watched Mean Girls, which is a fantastic film, by the way. Yeah. But they, sure. they used they use that word yeah. quite often. Yeah. And I was just like, I mean, that, that came out in, like, 2005 or something like that, 2006? Yeah. Yeah. So, but anyways, that's neither here nor there. But, yeah, The Rock comes back, and he can use as much of his rockisms yeah. as he can at this point, which will be fun. Yep. Uh, and would be a massive box office draw. So I think that WWE is playing the long game with him. And I think that it, you know, I've thought that it's going to happen the past couple of years that they've wanted to build to it. But maybe like you mentioned, he's got that gap in his schedule. He's got to, he's going to want to promote the XFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to strike some sort of advertising deal with WWE where promote WWE the- will promote the XFL while well, at the same time, The Rock comes in and gets paid a shitload of money still, I'm sure. And he'll go and do the match. So I think it makes a whole lot of sense from just a whole lot of different angles. So, I, look, I, I know I keep dragging this out, man. You're just one of those guys that's easy to nerd out on wrestling with. We'll get back to SummerSlam in just a second because I know we got to wrap this up. But if we do this match, 
if we're going to do at WrestleMania, The Rock versus Roman Reigns, look, The yep. Rock, God love him, but he's mid to late 40s now. Um, mm-hmm. I think he just and, turned 50. Yeah. So he would be, in theory, he's the face. He's the good guy. He's the one who's going to come back and stop this big, unstoppable asshole Roman Reigns. But do you want to do that? Do you want your champ to be put down? And I know WWE has had no problems doing this in the past. Like, in theory, it's a great way to end the story. They're related to, like, there's the family element to it. Like, The Rock beating Roman Reigns in the middle of the ring in Los Angeles at WrestleMania. Awesome story. At the same time, you're like, yeah, but we could put Roman over The Rock and now he is cemented all time. Like, it to me, it's more complicated than, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I get the idea mm-hmm. of telling the story, yeah. but what what do you do next? Like, a month later at Backlash, he loses it to whatever. Like, I, I don't know. So, you're correct. In The Rock will go over. Yeah. Uh, or in thinking that The Rock could go over. However... Reigns is going to go over, I think. Okay. I think that everyone I think that everyone would think that the Rock comes in and there's this huge thing and he's going to come in and <clears throat> they're like he's this huge payday so of course they're the Rock willing is to win. put him over Punk, they're not willing to put him over Roman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but no. And I I have this confirmation bias now when uh at the last WrestleMania uh 2 years ago, whenever whenever Ed, Edge came back. Yeah. Um Two years Whenever ago. Edge won the Rumble, when the hell was that? Was that that was year? January 2020, and then he got to do that Performance Center Iron Man or uh, okay, so it was the standing. next. It was the next year that he won the Rumble. Yes, and it became a it became a triple threat match between yes. <clears throat> Edge, Daniel Bryan, and Roman Reigns. That's right. And I thought, what a fantastic storyline it is for Edge to come back, win the Rumble, incredible career resurrection. But then what happens? Roman Reigns stacks both of them and pins both their asses. Yep. Both those Hall of Famers in the middle of the ring. It was awesome. Roman Reigns ain't losing to The Rock just based on that assumption. Roman Reigns is going to go down as like truly one of the greatest championship runs in the history of professional wrestling. And if he goes over and beats The Rock and beats The Rock, Mm -hmm. the whatever, let's go to Mount Rushmore. And yes, The Rock (laughs) is indeed on Mount, Mount Rushmore. Uh, just right below Brett's head. On the <laughs> of course, top. yes. Uh, he go, he cements his reign as one of the true greats. Reigns as reign as one of the true greats of all time. And well, the question is like, well, who the hell beats him then? It's got to be a current star. Yeah. How do you develop new stars? You got to develop a new one at some point. Well, this so is get it. on your get on your ass and find me someone like. Like a Kevin Owens, like Kevin Owens could have been for them, still yep. can be. Yep. But maybe someone who hasn't had a match with Roman Reigns can finally be the one. Maybe you plan a year out from now, you have the guy you want that's going to beat Roman Reigns. So start prepping. Give me a name. If it was up to Fuck. you right now, a year from so so Roman's going to beat The Rock in Los Angeles in late March, early April of 2023. We now, Roman's done the thing. We have to be ready to move that on to somebody else. Who's it going to be? At SummerSlam 2023, who's beaten Roman? So who would I like it to be? Kevin Owens. 
Okay. Because I think that Kevin Owens is the, he, I, he's like my favorite wrestler in the world right now. Who do I think it could be? Yeah. Montez Ford. Oh, interesting. Montez Ford has everything that you want in a wrestler. And now he is jacked to shit too. He's yes. reinvented, he's reinvented his body as well. So to get Vince behind is, him. You know, like whatever is as dumb as it may seem is it's important. Sure. Like, I don't know. Could you see orange Cassidy as the <laughs> AEW world champion? Like, you know, I'm sure there could be a storyline and like, I'd accept it and it'd be fun, whatever. But is it, is it realistic? Yeah. Maybe not. Nah. I don't know. They made, they made Adam, like Adam Cole's definitely not a big body guy. And much has been made about his body lately because he's not really a huge guy, but he has been world champion yep. where in different companies that he's been in just based on his charisma. So you give a guy like Montez Ford, who has a shitload of charisma to begin with incredible, incredible athleticism, give him some more time. And I think that he could be that guy. I love I like it, man. I like it a lot. I love your Kevin Owens pick. My problem is, and here's the thing. I love Kevin Owens. Just like you, he's amazing. There was yep. no problem whatsoever at WrestleMania believing that him and Austin story, that thing was fantastic when oh, they yeah. were in the ring in the main event before it ever became a match and the way Kevin is talking, like mm-hmm. he's so good, but it would feel to me, unfortunately, because they've dicked him around for so long, like, all right, this is just the way this was written as opposed to the guy, right? The next guy to dethrone. Yep. So and that's, the, so, and I'm very much with you in that same thought process. Yeah. And we, we've seen Reigns beat Owens a couple times before. Yeah. He's had his opportunity against Reigns. He hasn't won. It would just, I don't know. It, the, the story wouldn't hit as hard as I think that people would want it to if he were to win. Having said that, I would love to see him get a yes. championship someday soon. What do you think of uh, Kevin Owens at the uh, NHL draft meeting uh, Bruce Boudreaux? Fantastic. KO, so what, a, what a beauty. Yeah, so super good. cool. So I, again, I talked I, I talk to KO, I think it was earlier this year, um, and I asked him about yeah, you it. you set so this like, thing up. Jackie Redmond definitely set this wow, up. Wow, okay. Um, but you started so the ball rolling, I would say. Jackie was the one who initially first taught, kind of alluded to me that okay. Bruce was a huge wrestling fan. Okay. And then somebody asked him at a press conference, like, oh, name your favorite wrestlers. And he named Brett, number one. Of course. Good call, Bruce. And then he named and then he named Kevin Owens number two. Sure. Good call, Absolutely. Bruce. Absolutely. Yeah. KO, KO fucking rules. Um, and then so I asked I asked KO when I talked to him, I was like, Have you heard about this? He's like, Yeah, I love Bruce because he's and he said, How can I say this? He's very free with the way he speaks. <laughs> and that popped me big time. I was just like, I was like, that is pretty good. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and so yeah, when ja- I could see it. I could see it happening when he was sitting there and I saw Jackie looking around like it, like it was happening. Like she heard Kevin Owens was coming and then Bruce's face when he lit up yes. like a little kid meeting a hero, man, it was awesome. It I was loved so how excited that good. he was. Went, for, went from talking about whatever the hell he was talking about. Oh, yeah. I'll we'll see if my third line center and give me 15 sure. goals this season. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Was, yeah. JT Miller, who knows what's going to happen to them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, and then Kevin Owens shows up and he's just a completely different person. It was awesome. Yeah. No, to see, you know, like you said, and I guess so. Um, Jackie Redman is related to Bruce, right? Is that true? I have no idea. I thought that, that I don't know. Okay, uh, you know what? Then I'm just going to cut all this out. I thought she was his niece or something, but uh, you're right. I I knew she was the one who set it up at the draft. But anyway, yeah. to see you know 
that this had been set up and and she obviously like you said knew it was coming and and Bruce Boudreaux knows he's going to meet Kevin Owens or doesn't know he's going to meet Kevin Owens and he comes wandering in during this interview at the NHL draft and like you said he just lights up like a small child it was like this wholesome yeah. innocent moment that I'm not so sure you and I wouldn't have well you've interviewed Kevin I you you're a professional as we've covered right I'd probably be the same way, like, oh my God, like this is amazing. <laughs> and to see Bruce yeah. Boudreaux, who's met yeah. and coached Alex Ovechkin and Ilias Pettersson and Ryan Getzlaff. Like, this guy's been around big stars before, but here's Kevin Owens walking on on day two, second round of the NHL draft, and he's just like, whatever, I could not possibly care less about hockey right now. I want to talk to Kevin yeah. Owens. It was amazing. And I, I, I loved every second of it, too. He's... KO is a beauty. Bruce Boudreaux is a beauty. And it was too just great to see just a couple like good Canadian kids getting together. <laughs> uh, so SummerSlam is on Saturday, July 30th. Uh, again, they're doing more of these Saturday shows. It's a little surprising. Um, <clears throat> they do that for uh, for travel. People who like to travel. So they don't want to have to. <clears throat> yeah, they don't want to have to fly out Sunday on nights. Sunday night or Monday morning. So they have the extra day to kind of hang out. They it's get smart more more travel packages. Yeah, it's just kind of the future of big events like that. Well, we saw there that on uh, Money in the Bank, also a Saturday night in Vegas, and then uh, Vince and Triple H and Pat McAfee and Stephanie go over to the UFC show where uh, mm-hmm. we see an Undertaker entrance, which I'm sure Vince was licking his chops to see if he could sue somebody over that. <laughs> uh, but we're going to see a couple of interesting matches here at SummerSlam on top of that main event. Liv Morgan's going to face Ronda Rousey. Um, look, there's a couple of interesting matches here uh seth rollins taking on riddle what's something else outside of that main event that has your attention that you're like eh, i, I want to check this one out uh bianca Belair and becky lynch oh, i think will be a really good, good wrestling yeah. match uh, i think that'll be a really really good wrestling match they've shown it before i think that it was <clears throat> one of the top three matches of wrestlemania weekend just thinking off the top of my head right now mm-hmm. um so it'll be really cool to see them and i think that the uh the tag team championship match will be really good too the usos and the street profits because Anytime that those guys have got in the ring together, it's been fantastic. Jeff Jarrett as a special guest referee. What is sure. the story there? How did Jeff Jarrett end <clears> up <throat> as the referee? Well, I think what's more impressive is the fact that Jarrett will be wrestling the night after in Ric Flair's <laughs> retirement match. The guy spends his time working hard on the go, but the hands on the clock He's... keep spinning too slow, man. That's right. <laughs> he just can't wait to be alone with his baby tonight. With his baby tonight. <laughs> How yeah. did what storyline? I missed this, man. How is he? How how are they writing Jeff Jarrett into this storyline? So it's been like referee mistakes the last few matches between the two okay. teams that have led to the bell being rung. So Adam Pierce just kind of announced that Nashville area oh. resident Jeff Jarrett. He's like, I know somebody is perfect for the job. It's gonna be Jeff Jarrett. Okay, it's kind of like the Teddy Long thing. Player, you've earned yourself a match with The Undertaker. It's like, <laughs> no, you've earned yourself special guest referee, uh, Jeff Jarrett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six-man tag. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm, I, at least there is a geographic tag. I, I like this now. I'm suddenly, I'm, yeah. I'm all in on Jeff Jarrett and J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E-T-T. Double J, uh, Jeff Jarrett. Ha ha. Yes. You got, you got to do the laugh. <laughs> I know. I blew it, man. Right. I, I came in strong and I, I faded hard at the end. Look, <laughs> at least, you know, if, if, if one thing that Jeff Jarrett taught me, it's how to spell Jeff Jarrett. And, <laughs> you know, spelling has never been my strong suit. So I thank Jeff for that. 
Kev, buddy, this has been so much fun for me, man. Like, I, I love nerding out on wrestling. I don't know almost anybody who knows as much about it as you do, and uh, I kept you way longer than I thought I was going to here tonight. We did have to reschedule a bit, so I've kept you up late as well. But, uh, man, this has been fun for me. Thank you so much, buddy. No problem, man. Anytime. Always happy to chat wrestling and drink some beers. Kevin Mickey from Sportsnet in a comfortable chair on Tim and Friends. Uh, coming at you as we uh, continue our march toward episode 1000. Uh, Kev's one of those guys who's been around for a few years now and, and helped us get here and, uh, and is always willing to tag in when uh, when we need him. Thank you, buddy. Yeah. And uh, enough, enough putting me over. It's time to put you over a thousand episodes of your show, man. It is fucking cool. It rules. And I'm just happy that you asked me to come on. And I'm always happy to come on. It's really awesome to see the show grow and flourish. And here's to a thousand more. The here's too is the the concerning part. As I sat here and started to put this together, I'm like, a thousand pods? That was a thousand pints. It's <laughs> daunting math, man. It's not been good, apparently. So we've had a great time doing it, man. Thank you so much for the kind words, and thank you so much, as always, for doing this. Um, always appreciate your time, buddy, and uh, hope you enjoy uh, the vacation coming up. And I don't know, I, you know, if you get to talk to Gilberg or anything, send him our way, somebody who you think might have time for, for talking audio. <laughs> Absolutely. The first person I think of when I talk to Gilbert will be you, for sure. Awesome. I, I can see why. That's uh, that's totally fair. That's been episode 992 of the Talk and Audio podcast. Check out uh, Kevin Mickey's work at sportsnet.ca and all over the Sportsnet family of channels. We'll put his social handles in the show notes at talkandaudio.com or wherever you're listening right now. My name's Matt Robinson. We'll be back with you on Friday with Dr. Vicky Forrester. Can you believe this, Kev? We talked to Kevin Mickey about wrestling and then the next person has the tag doctor attached to their name. That's how we roll on the Talking Audio Podcast. That's how we're going to follow this up. For Kevin Mickey, my name's Matt Robinson. We'll see you all next time. Now, y'all ain't got nothing else for me to drink. I'm a haul ass. No, I'm serious. I'm about to haul ass. And y'all have no better shit than this to drink. Thanks for listening. You can get more TCA at TalkanAudio.com or by searching Talkan Audio on your favorite podcast app.